Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 89th program in this series. I'm in John chapter 16 when Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples They just left the place where they were having the Last Supper, and it appears that they are walking, they are traveling to the garden where Jesus is eventually going to be arrested. And in this conversation, Jesus repeats a number of things that he said before they went out for a walk, and he also includes some more details in the repetition of what he tells them. Now, beginning in John chapter 16, verse 4, Jesus said, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. So Jesus explains to his disciples that there were a lot of new things that he was sharing with them. And he didn't tell them about these things earlier, because he was with them. But now he's leaving. So what he explains to them is that when he was with them there were a lot of things that he just decided not to share with them at the time when he was walking with them and doing ministry and they were with him. There were a lot of things that he didn't tell them. He figured, hey, I'm with you. There's no reason for you to be aware of these things or for us to have conversations about these things. While I am with you, we're going to do other things. Now, what I want you to really appreciate from this is that Jesus does not reveal everything to them at once. He meets them. He establishes a relationship with them. He relates to them. And over a period of time, he reveals a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And as you can tell through these relational conversations and experiences that they had with him, they really didn't understand a whole lot about what he was doing or what he was saying. And so if Jesus was to present even more to them, well, that would just mean that there would be a lot more that they wouldn't understand, comprehend, or be able to relate to. And so Jesus did reveal a lot to them. He did relate to them in the context of this relationship, but there were limitations. There were limitations concerning the amount of things that Jesus would reveal And Jesus was wise about what he did reveal because there were going to be limitations concerning how much they were going to be able to understand. Now, what he does express to them is that there will still be a lot of things that they are not going to understand, but that the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance these things that Jesus said and these things that he did will bring remembrance to them. He will remind them. They will remember And when the Holy Spirit interacts with them in this way in the future, then the Spirit of God will provide them with revelation. He will reveal to them the meaning behind what he said, what he did, and there will be an increase in knowing their God, that this would be a personal thing that takes place with them. 
and through the testimony that we have in the historical record, we can appreciate the things that Jesus did and what he said, because the Spirit of God can dwell within us today, just as he dwelt within the people back then, and the Spirit of God can teach us, can guide us, can bring revelation to us through the testimony of what was given to us through the Scriptures. So in the next generation of people who are not yet alive, the next generation of people who will come into the world, they also will have the opportunity to look at the historical record and to learn about the things that Jesus said and the things that he did. And if they will surrender to the new covenant, receive the Holy Spirit, be born again as a child of God, then the Spirit of God will show them the meaning behind what Jesus said, what Jesus did. It won't be an experience of remembrance, but it will be an experience of the people benefiting from the memories and from the experiences of others before them. And God will use that opportunity to reveal himself to the next generation of people, to the new people who will come into this world. But for now, there is us, and so we get to experience this right now and benefit from the memories of the people before us. Now, at the end of verse 4, again in John chapter 16, verse 4, Jesus said, And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. Something that I think is really important to see here is that there is a layered approach to the relationship. And what I mean by a layered approach is that God does not just reveal everything all at once. He shows us a little bit, and then he shows us a little bit more. In this case, he showed the disciples some things. He explained some things to them. And then he explained a little bit more, and a little bit more. And he tells them that there will be more to come. It's just not here yet. It's going to happen. It will be an experience of relating to God through the Holy Spirit who will dwell within them. This is the time when Jesus speaks about this. He introduces this important issue, this important concept, that God is going to relate to us through his spirit dwelling within our spirit. This is the beginning of the understanding of this is the relationship that is being established. This is the relationship that we get to experience and enjoy today. The Lord reveals a little bit to us before we are saved, just enough so that We can be confronted with the truths of God and we can respond. We can choose to accept the truth or we can reject the truth. For those of us who accept the truth, we can receive the Holy Spirit. We can be born again as a child of God. And then our God will reveal a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But there's a very important principle that you need to pay attention to. And that is that God will require you to understand some things before you can understand other things. And it's just the nature of things. It's just the fact that if you're going to understand some some complex ideas, some things that are difficult to understand, you're going to need a foundation. You're going to need something to work with. For example, the subject of forgiveness is a big deal. It is the foundation for just about everything that God will be able to reveal to you. But if you do not have a good understanding of forgiveness, there are a lot of things that you will not understand 
if God tries to reveal these things to you. Take, for example, the disciples. Jesus is revealing many things to them, and they are expressing the fact that they just simply don't understand. They don't get it. So you also will not understand. You simply won't get it. For example, if you don't understand that the sin issue between you and God is over, if you don't understand that, then there are going to be limitations concerning what you are going to be able to understand about the permanent nature of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God comes to dwell within you, the reason why the Spirit of God will never leave is because God will no longer hold your sins against you. That is the fundamental reason why he resolved the sin issue once and for all for the entire world was for this purpose, so the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave you. If you will not embrace the complete forgiveness of sins, then what makes you think that the Holy Spirit of God won't leave you? What makes you think that? What are you basing that on? What do you have to go on? Where is your conviction? Where is your belief? If you believe that the Holy Spirit of God will never leave you, then why do you believe that? Now, if you believe it just because God told you that he would never leave you and never forsake you, I think that's wonderful. I think that's a great start. And so I want to encourage that. I think it's good. And if that is all that a person wants to hold on to, then I think it's a good thing. However, I do feel that it's quite limited and that you can enjoy more. If you will embrace the complete forgiveness of sins and recognize that the wages of sin is death and the reason why you won't die through the absence of life, the absence of the life of God, the absence of the Holy Spirit, the reason why you will not die is because there is no sin that will be held against you that would result in death, that would result in the absence of the Holy Spirit that would result in God departing from within you. Now, with Adam and Eve, it was just because they didn't believe God and they ate from the wrong tree. Now, you certainly don't have access to the same tree, but there are other laws that God has put in place that can be used to describe the risk and the concern that can be present if you were to look for some reason as to why the Holy Spirit would depart from within you. If it's as simple as not believing God, If with Adam and Eve it was just eating from the wrong tree, then I'm sure we could find some sin in your life that would correspond to Adam and Eve eating from the wrong tree. Some sin in your life might correspond to that pretty well. So if we wanted to answer this kind of question in that way, we could find something to argue about or just discuss and to come to a conclusion that, yeah, there needs to be a greater understanding. There needs to be greater clarification concerning why will the Holy Spirit not leave you. And to me, the primary reason, the most important reason why the Holy Spirit will not leave you is because there is no sin that has been left unforgiven. So what this means is that if a person has a limited understanding of forgiveness... A limited understanding. And what I mean by that is that they believe that they are forgiven in some ways, but that they are not forgiven in other ways. 
that's a limited understanding of forgiveness. If you have a limited understanding, then you're not going to be able to understand, comprehend, appreciate the magnitude of what Jesus has accomplished to resolve the concern of how are we going to keep people spiritually alive. This is not going to be understandable by a person who has a limited understanding of forgiveness. We could go on from there. How about being set free from the law? Being set free from the law is a big topic in the New Testament, especially in the letters that Paul wrote with regards to being set free from the law. You're not going to be able to really comprehend what it means to be set free from the law unless you understand forgiveness, unless you realize that the sin issue is over. If you don't get that, if you think that the Lord will still hold your sins against you in some way, in some way, in any way, then you will not be set free from the law. It's going to remain a continual struggle in your life. This is going to be a barrier that will prevent you from knowing your God in this context, from understanding the relationship between you and him in this context. You're just simply not going to make it. We can go on from there. What would be the next layer of difficulty, of challenge? The next layer would probably be your inheritance in Christ. You have received love. You have received acceptance. But have you really? Do you really know what it means to be loved by God? Do you really know what it means to be accepted by God? There's no way you're going to really understand what it means to be loved and accepted by your God until after you recognize that you are free from the law, because the law will always be in opposition to that. The law will always be telling you that you're not really loved by God. You're not really accepted by him. You might be in some small ways, but we know that he doesn't really love you. He doesn't really accept you because you still have some sin in your life. And the law is the description that reveals and exposes by definition what this sin is. And if he still holds these sins against you because you don't really appreciate the forgiveness that he has given you, because you don't believe in the forgiveness that you have received, then by default you will not be able to comprehend, understand, appreciate, and receive the love and acceptance of God for you. If you can't make it past these things, then what else do you expect God to say to you? What else do you expect him to reveal to you? There will be some profound limitations concerning how he is going to be able to relate to you. What's he going to say? If you ask him to speak to you, if you ask him to give you revelation, to give you understanding, and you can't make it past these things, what do you expect him to say? What do you expect him to reveal? He's not going to be able to reveal much of anything. And this is the fundamental reason why most believers in Christ Jesus do not hear from their God. What's he going to say? What's he going to say to you? How is he going to explain anything to you? What are you going to understand? What would be the point of giving you revelation? 
Now, I'm not saying that he won't say anything, and I'm not saying that he won't reveal anything. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that there will be great limitations. I am confident that God will find some way to speak to people in whatever way they will be able to understand and appreciate according to what they believe about him. That is true. I've been doing this long enough that I know that God does this. I've seen an abundance of testimony that would show that this is the case. And so I'm not saying that there is the absence of any communication whatsoever. But what I have seen clearly is that there is definitely a limitation concerning how far God can go with people because they just don't believe him. And that's what it comes down to. If you don't believe him about some things, then there will be some serious limitations concerning what more he can reveal because a lot of the things that he can show and explain and reveal to you are going to require you to believe these other things first. So this is what I want you to see from this, is that God uses a layered approach, but he does so because that's just the way things are. That's the way the truth is. That is the way of revelation. So again, in John chapter 16, verse 4, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And the main reason why he says this is because they're not going to understand the things that he is telling them. They express to him that they don't understand. As you read through this conversation, you can see they just don't get it. So God is going to have to remind them of these things later. And then later, hopefully, they'll get it. They'll understand these things at a later date. Now, this is repetition. Again, this is repetition concerning what Jesus has told them already. For example, when it comes to remembrance, you can go back to when they were having the conversation at the place that they were holding the Last Supper. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So Jesus has told them many things, but they don't get it. The Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit of God will teach them all things and remind them that they were told these things by Jesus previously. Now today we get to enjoy the testimony of what the disciples wrote down so that we can know the things that they remembered. And the Holy Spirit who dwells within us will teach us and he will speak to us. Our God will speak to us about the things that we can read and we can see about the testimony of the disciples of what they heard and what they saw. The Lord can give us revelation today in the same way that he gave them revelation back then. And in the future generations, the people who will come after us will also have the same opportunity. So this idea of remembrance that Jesus expresses here in John chapter 16, verse 4, is repetition from what he said in John chapter 14, verse 26. And then Jesus goes on in verse 5. This is John chapter 16, verse 5. 
But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? Well, it could be that someone already asked him. If you go back to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 36, Peter asked him where he was going. John chapter 13, verse 36 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. So Peter did ask him, where are you going? And Jesus answered the question, well, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to go yet. You'll be able to go later. But where I'm going, you're not going to be able to go there right now. Now, what are the disciples supposed to do with that kind of an answer? Where are you going, Jesus? Well, I'm not going to tell you directly. You can't go there right now. You'll be able to go later. What are the disciples supposed to do with that? Should they ask him again, where are you going? He might give them the same answer. And so in verse 5, when Jesus said, and none of you asks me, where are you going? Well, we should keep in mind that Peter did ask him where he was going earlier. And it could be that nobody else wants to ask him the same question. Because he might give them the same kind of an answer. So why is he saying this? Well, he could be saying this in the sense that this question was asked over there. And now we're over here. Now we're revisiting the conversation again. He's saying things over again with repetition. And so that could be a partial invitation for them to ask the question a second time. Maybe that's what he means by this. It's a possibility. But even so, in the midst of this conversation that he has been having with the disciples, he did tell them where he was going to go. In John chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, he told them he's going to heaven. In John chapter 14, verse 2, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. So here between verses 2 and 4, he tells them he's going to his father's house. He's going to heaven. That's where he's going. So he does answer the question in the conversation by telling them, this is where I'm going. And you know the way. And then Thomas and Jesus had a conversation about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, which I explained in the previous programs. Jesus also said that he was going to the Father in John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus is going to say this again in John chapter 16, verse 16. He will say, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. So he's going to tell them again where he is going in this conversation, but presently we're in verse 5 in John chapter 16. So Jesus did tell them where he was going, and Peter did ask. So we do need to read this with that understanding. 
But then continuing into verse 6, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, why has sorrow filled their heart? Sorrow has filled their heart because he told them that he's leaving and that they can't go with him right now. Is there something wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. He's just simply stating that sorrow has filled their heart. He's not describing this as a problem that needs to be solved. He's just simply acknowledging that they have feelings about this. And this is why he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And so he continues, he moves forward in the conversation. It's not a problem to solve. It's just simply Jesus acknowledging that they are sorrowful. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 89th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verses 4 through 6, and I was explaining that for us to understand some things that our God wants to reveal to us, it's necessary for us to understand other things first. And if we have a distorted view of these other things that we need to know, then this will make it difficult for our God to reveal other things to us that do require us to have a good understanding of previous things that he showed to us. I gave an example of the love and acceptance of God. In order for us to really embrace the love and acceptance of God, we have to be set free from the law because the law declares that our sins are still held against us And if this isn't resolved, then we cannot truly be accepted by our God. We're not going to truly be loved by our God. There will be limitations concerning what we're going to be able to receive and understand, no matter how our God may manifest and reveal this to us. In order to be set free from the law, we have to embrace forgiveness. It truly is forgiveness that sets us free from the law because The law requires obedience or death. There is no way that we will ever obey. So our God manifested in the flesh and provided for forgiveness through his death. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net